Hey, everybody, I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. So this week on the podcast, Andy and I are tackling a question from the mailbag. We got a letter from someone who joined a new hospital and is on the struggle bus about how much internal drama there is amongst the team. There are clicks. There are technicians and people on the team actively avoiding doing something while waiting for, quote unquote, the other person to see if they're going to do it. And then they come running to me or to another doctor to complain about how X person didn't do Y task. It makes me want to pull my hair out, is what the email said. And I can understand that because, oh boy, this does not sound like the kind of place that I would want to work. And this vet has great intentions. And they're like, hey, is this a thing that I can fix? Is this a lost cause? How do I tackle it? We talk about the details and the more of their mailbag letter. This one was so much fun, even though it was full of drama. Let's get into it, shall we? And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and Stephanie. I'm going to start some drama. You don't want no drama, guys. No, no, no drama, drama llama for your mama. Uh, How's it going, Andy? It's good. I don't get to say enough uh, lyrics from My Humps by the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> and so when that came into my head, I was like, you were like, what yes. is that from? <laughs> Don't start no drama. What is, oh, it's my humps. That's what that is. It's like oh. in this in the dusty cobwebby corner in the back of my brain lives Fergie, my humps, and Fergalicious. Like that's where that lives. It's like it's like when songs come into your mind and you're like, why is that there? I can't. Yes. Of all the things I can't remember, why is my humps just like is permanently etched? into the walls of my brain. Oh, I love it so much. Oh, <laughs> uh, good gosh. I have a story for you. Oh, oh my yeah. God. I have not, yeah, it's, it's, I have not gotten to tell you this story. Okay. All right. So you're going to love this. <laughs> so I'm at the grocery store with Allison, right? Okay. And we, we have got full cart of groceries and we're leaving the store and it's like 10 a.m. on Saturday morning. So the, the grocery store is fairly empty. Oh, okay. And so I'm pushing the cart and Allison's with me and it's loaded with groceries and we go out the sliding doors. And as we go out into the empty parking lot, this lady with her cart gets behind us and she's following us out of the grocery store and out of the sliding glass doors into the parking lot. And I'm just driving my cart right down the middle of the parking lot lane. And she's just walking behind us. Okay. And the, we have the meat like in the plastic bag on the bottom shelf, you know what I mean, of the yeah. cart, like down mm -hmm. by the ground. Yep. And and it starts to slip off. And Allison says, hey, wait, we're losing our, our meat. Uh, and so uh -huh. I said, oh, and I stopped. And when I stopped, uh, Allison went to fix the meat. And I heard the shopping cart behind me stop. And so the woman who was following us through the parking lot stops when we stopped. Instead of and then going Allison around went you? to fix the meat. No. And the part it's an empty parking lot. I know that's what I mean. So like, instead of going around, like why she is she stopped. following you? She just stopped. And so <laughs> I waited a moment and then I turned around and I looked at her and she was standing behind me with her cart. And I kid you not. She rolled her eyes and went, like that. <laughs> and I, have, I have so many questions. This is like the people 
the time that you were at the beach who came and sat down right in and front of you at the empty beach. Like I so many questions. Why A, why was she following you? B, why didn't she just go around you? Like it's a I oh, I don't understand people. I don't there was there was a commercial that I saw. It used to come on. I don't remember what it was for or anything. But these people were on an escalator and the escalator just stopped halfway up and they just like bedded down and they were like, I guess we'll have to wait to be rescued. <laughs> And it's an escalator. All right, they just walk right like, up. Oh. But they're like, who's going to come for us? And like, <laughs> that's what I thought of it. This woman just stopped and rolled her eyes and grunted. Oh. And I got in the car and I said to Allison, should I have pulled over? And she's like, it's an empty parking lot. <laughs> and we're pushing a shopping cart. Right, like, we weren't even in a car. It's not like you were walking down the aisles and no. you stopped in the middle of the aisle where you can't go around people depending on how how narrow your your aisles are like there's there's lots of grocery stores where it's a solid 3 acres <laughs> flat paved surface and she's standing behind me going oh and rolling her eyes and i was like what is this world and 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 then i thought i was like what experience in life has this person had where she's like, now I'm stuck here behind this a-hole? Like, that's like, <laughs> great. What am I going to do about this? I have places to be. Oh, like, ma'am, it's what a is, parking lot. Just go right or left, doesn't matter. Just go around. So <laughs> Go funny. around. I was just like, oh, man. It's like learned helplessness. Like, I think she was totally on autopilot. Oh, but oh, oh man. my gosh, that's really funny. I should have, I should have waved, I should have waved her, right? I should have waved her on, like, like, like when you put her out the window yep, and go just around. like, go, go around. <laughs> I should, I, I need to complain to public that their cars don't have like blinkers <laughs> that you can put on when you're stopped, like, so, so people know just to. to I need a by. blinker on my public's cart, please. But as she rolled her eyes and stood behind me, I was like, I can't wait to tell Stephanie Goss. <laughs> <laughs> about this. I have so many questions. Like oh, that's man. the that's the thing. Like answers. when when <laughs> when when things like that happen, like I it, don't get me wrong, I am like way road ragey and like probably way too much for for my own good. Uh and <laughs> my children learned all the expletives very early on, uh particularly in my in my car. Um and <laughs> like a lot of the time where my brain immediately goes to is the questions like why why would they do that like what made yeah. her think that she had to follow you why it, not only why did she roll her eyes like what was going on in her head where she was like oh this a-hole like but yeah. just so many questions <laughs> i i think i think that in all seriousness so, so i've been thinking a lot about this i think that there's commentary on society here like i think that so many people have just been habitualized into like we were going out the door and so we're she in just line. fell in line. Uh -huh. Yeah. But I think that there's some weird sure. part of our brains that like pick up on those patterns and do it. And and then and then the like the stopping, like, oh great, now I'm stuck. Right. Here. It's <laughs> like, but it's like it's like people you know in your life who just have a problem. Yes. And instead of just doing the obvious thing to fix the problem, they're like I guess I have to wait or I need to uh, go to a higher authority. Like they come right. to you and they're like, we're out of toilet paper in the bathroom. And you're like, did you get toilet paper out of the storeroom? And they're right. like, no. <laughs> cool. Could you go do that? 
could you? Oh, oh okay. And, you know, and you know, and like next time, you just feel empowered. You don't even have to come and ask me. You can just go get more toilet paper and put it in the bathroom. Don't start about toilet paper because that is the number one thing in the clinic that gives me rage. Like hands down, toilet paper rage is worse than road rage because nobody ever knows how to change the freaking roll. Like, like, the, the, like the empty tube? The, uh, yes. Yes, it'll get used and then the tube will sit there. And most of the time, they don't even get another roll and place it on top of the roll, which would also put the empty tube, which would also piss me off, but would piss me off way less <laughs> than when the empty tube just sits on the thing and nobody gets any more to- because it's always me. Always. Every single clinic that I have ever worked in, it is always me without fail that sits down to pee and there's an empty freaking toilet paper tube on the roll. In fact, the best Christmas present I ever got, it just came up yesterday in my time hop, the best Christmas present I ever got for my entire team. There's two presents that stand out in my mind. Both of them involve toilet paper. The best Christmas present though is one of my assistants. This became a thing and my team knew how ragey because without fail, at least once a week, I would sit down to pee and it would be empty. And so one of my assistants one year took... You know how um, you mark the uh, IV bag that like when the line was changed last or when the bag was changed last and you put your initials in the date and time. And one of one of my assistants uh, changed the toilet paper and then put white, put white tape across it like an, like an IV and wrote the date and time that she changed in her initials. <laughs> and she and she gave me the picture as a Christmas present and I was like this is the best Christmas present that oh, I've man. ever gotten is someone besides me changing the effing toilet paper in the, in the uh, clinic well I, I just imagine the woman with a shopping cart walking into the stall and seeing the empty thing and just going <laughs> great yeah now I have to hold it right and then just standing there until <laughs> Stephanie Goss comes with toilet paper that Maybe she could have gotten to the <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, Anyways. Anyway. Okay. All right. I, I just wanted to share that with you. Oh, was, my God. I love it so much. I love it so oh much. God, people are crazy. <laughs> I've forgotten um, about the people at the beach coming and sitting directly in front yes. of me. That's hilarious. So there are all people right. in your life who cause drama. Um, and uh, this week's episode is all about drama because we got a great mailbag uh, letter from someone who has joined a clinic and who said this clinic is all drama. <laughs> uh, they joined a new, a new hospital. And they're struggling with how much drama and conflict there is uh, in the team. So they have a problem with clicks, it seems like. And lots of different facets of the team will kind of actively avoid doing something, waiting to see if the quote unquote other person or the other group or whatever will do it. Um, And then when it doesn't happen, come running to... This, this person uh, is a doctor on their team, come running to the doctors and be like, so-and-so, Andy didn't, <laughs> Andy didn't replace the toilet yeah. paper in the bathroom. I caught him because I went in there right after he was in there and it was empty. <laughs> it's all his fault, right? Like they're doing that kind of nonsense. And this doctor's like, I, look, I literally want to pull my hair out. Uh, it is driving me crazy. And uh, they were like, I've tried leading by example. I've tried emphasizing, you know, good intent and, and like channeling, channeling the Andy and Stephanie like Zen headspace like let's assume good intent let's think good thoughts think good thoughts but this seems to backfire with this crew because they said the more I do that the more it seems like they're then trying to prove to me even more why the other person is so bad or has does not have good intention (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. And they're struggling because this doctor is not a manager. And they said that the management doesn't seem to have a good uh, handle on the situation and doesn't really seem to be doing anything about it. Um, and this doctor is frustrated because they said, you know, look, this is a really good high-skilled group of paraprofessional team members and they could be fantastic if they would just get out of their own way and get out of the drama. And so they were asking like, what can I do to help reward them when they do work as a team to like be positive, to seek out the good in each other uh, because they really are really high-skilled and I want them to be a high-functioning team. Like, how do I help do that? Uh, because I'm feeling like I don't know whether this is a lost cause or not. Yeah. Oh, man. All right. This is a, this is a good one. I, mm-hmm. I, like to, I I really like this one. I really like the idea of this question coming from the associate doctor who's like, I'm not their boss, but I have to deal with this. Uh-huh. So what do, what do we do? Yep. All right. Well, let's go ahead and start with some headspace. Okay. Um, oh, I have concerns, Stephanie. <laughs> I, I have concerns. <laughs> Um, Me too. I, I also I like I like the phrasing. I, I feel like they asked us very reasonable questions that I can I can answer these questions for sure. Yes. I don't know if it's going to do enough good. Right. I don't know if it's going to. I can answer your questions. I don't know if it's going to make this situation good enough to make sense. Yes. So the headspace perspective culture comes from the top, right? It just yes. does, and there's no way around that. And, uh, you know, as as we've seen more multi-practice groups and things like that, that's I think this is the problem of the next generation in vet medicine is mm-hmm. we've got bigger and bigger groups of practices together. And I, there's some benefit. I'm not being anti-corporate. I, I, I'm really not. There's some real benefits to corporate medicine. And I think you'll continue to see benefits. The downside is that there are also real benefits of having the practice owner whose reputation is on the line being right there shoulder to shoulder with everyone else. You know what I mean? Sure. And so I I just, when I think about culture comes from the top and if you don't have someone who's really invested in culture right there on the ground, I think you can have have trouble. That said, now that I'm saying out loud, I also, it's not lost on me that there have been a lot of practice owners who have <laughs> generated negative. Or, I was just when you just kind of looked just... at me and didn't immediately respond positively, it dawned on me that I was like, yeah, okay, that's fair. I was waiting. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I was waiting for you to like hear your, hear your yeah, thought process okay. play out. Because what I would say is that... <laughs> equally like if they're on the ground and they're not doing anything about it they're not any better than than somebody who is absentee from the day to day of the of the practice right like this is a and that's i think you're not wrong that this is um this is something that we're gonna have to i think deal with and i don't know that it has to do with the size of the practice but that there is a lot of drama and there's a lot there is a lot of toxicity and negativity in veterinary medicine and your point about it coming from the top culture being set from the top is so so true and it matters and I think that was the first thing when I read this as well as I was like well you can absolutely lead from the middle I am a firm believer in being able to lead from within the team and at the same time there comes like there is a line where if at the end of the day, your boss, whether it's corporate leadership, private practice owner, doesn't matter whether the the management, the top is not willing to set that culture on down. Your hands are kind of tied. 
Oh yeah, at some point. Yeah, and and that I guess that's where I'm trying. That's where I'm sort of trying to to go here. Is um, you can absolutely lead from the middle. I I agree with you on that. And if management leadership above you is undermining the positive culture that you're trying to build, you're going to lose. You know, like like top top line leadership has a disproportional impact. Yes, and it can be super frustrating trying to lead from the middle when management just perpetuates behaviors above you that continue to make this type of drama happen, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And so, yeah. Totally. So anyway, I, I, that, I guess that's, that's where I want to start in Headspace is just to sort of say, um, I think that when we have systemic problems with culture that radiate from leadership, the impact that we can make in the middle is limited. It is really almost impossible to revolutionize the culture if leadership's not on board. I think you can make a positive impact. The reason I said at the very beginning we have concerns is because I'm kind of like, I don't know if you can make enough impact to make this be a place that you want to continue to work. Yes. Maybe you can, and in some cases you can, and it really depends on how much influence do you have, how much do people listen to you, what is your schedule like, how how much can you control your immediate environment, and then also, what's your tolerance for drama? Yeah. Because it might be that the drama's at an eight, and you can help make the drama a six, and you're okay with a six. Right. Um, But if it's at an eight and your tolerance is a three... That's you might be able to make it a six, but it's still not a three and you're still going to be unhappy. Yep. I agree with you. And I think the question for me that I ask myself is like, what level of control do I have if I'm not the boss? Because I have seen and have have been in um, my very first practice, a role where I took a leadership from the middle position and led from within the team, I was not in a formal leadership position. And there is absolutely uh, environments and situations where you can have uh, and be afforded a a good amount of control as a member of the team. And so as a doctor, like I would ask this, this doctor to like, do some uh, introspective work and look at it and think about like, how much control do you actually have here? Because if you are in a position where they're letting you be pretty, you can be pretty empowered, even if you're not on top, like you might be able to overcome more of that, like you were saying, more of their lack of jumping in. Like maybe it's a maybe it's a situation where they're not directly contributing to the drama, but they're not doing anything about solving it. But if they'll let you mm-hmm. kind of take the lead there, that might be a workable situation. So the headspace, the first headspace piece for me is like what level really examining for yourself. And this is a totally individual thing based on your situation and your environment and your practice, like what level of control do you actually have when you're not the like positional boss? Yeah, this is one way or another in the end, this is going to come down to one of our math problems. Yes. And you're going to pick your poison. Yes. And it's going to be, I mean, it's just, that's it, it going to be. Story. My, yeah, my, my, I mean, I, I think my advice, just a headspace looking out at this is, I, I think where you really get screwed is if you, think that this is that there's no options yeah you know like there's drama here and i have to figure out how to fix it or else i'm going to live with drama for my whole life and i see a lot of people who who fall into that it's called it's called uh either or thinking either i fix this or i live with it forever and i go i got another option for you (laughs) got another option for you um and and that's and that's leaving and it's not catastrophic and i think all of this gets better if you say to yourself I'm a doctor. 
I signed a one-year contract. That's what I signed. Right. One year. And I'm going to try, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put up with this garbage for one year. Right. And then I'm going to reassess. And I think that that makes everything feel much more manageable and approachable. And so remember, it's a one-year contract. You're not, you didn't get married. You just, you took a job to see how it goes. Yep. And so my advice is, I think, I think it sounds like this person's got good open eyes and, and clear expectations about what can be done. Let's see what we can do in the next year. And then we're going to reassess. And if this place is still just drama central and it's sucking the life out of you or it's just a constant headache, then this might not be where you want it to be. I, I, I may have a bit of kind of a, I don't think it's callous, but I don't know. I, my, my perspective on this with sort of staff drama and things is this is a leadership problem. Yeah. And if you're trying to have a good, quiet life, and there's drama just going on around you and around you and management is not going to address it. I don't think it's bad if you leave. Like yeah. to me, that's a very understandable totally. position. And and I, I, I think you should reward clinic culture. Like I want to work at a good, positive place to be. And, and I just, I think that that's, I think that that's very understandable. And so again, all of this is just headspace and sort of trying to get to where we feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, I feel all right here. I also feel like when you feel like you don't have any other options other than to fix this, the stakes get real high and everything feels really, really important. And that honestly limits your effectiveness, right? Yeah. You are at the, you're at your most effective when you don't care all that much. Yes. You know, when yes. you can kind of wait, when you can let things go, uh, you can pick your battles. Um, that's that's being effective. And so we got to get the stakes down. So that, that's kind of what I'm trying to do. I get my head, head straight here and go, let me see where it goes for a year. Uh, ultimately, this might not be salvageable and I need to be okay with that. Yeah, that was my second piece was like, I think you have to um, get Zen before you can tackle it. And so there's two pieces of that. One is um, putting down the flaming raging sort of justice and not not be raging when you go into dealing with it. But the other is what you were just talking about, which is if you are feeling amped up, if you are hacked off at somebody, if you are feeling triggered, like you can't have, um, you can't be super effective. And so finding that place where it's, you're not trying to tackle this on a day when there's been click drama in the practice. Right. And I, I don't, it's not so much, I mean, it's a part of our safe acronym that we talk about all the time, but like really is this, are you in a good headspace? Are you in that place where you're just like, I don't, this is not bothering me, even if it's just for today and just or just for an hour while you're like making a move here. I think what's really important is being in that that, um, you know, place where it's it's not mattering so much. And you you do not have the flaming raging sword of justice in your hands because that will not end well uh, yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I agree with that. I think um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else for me. Those are, those are the big ones. I think the last thing um, for me from a headspace perspective goes along with the other piece of the the acronym, and it's this assuming good intent. But but really, um, for me, is just remembering, and I've had to remind myself of this in practices that I've been in, and just even behavior of myself and the team is clicks happen when people don't feel safe and or they're trying to fit in, right? And so reminding myself like these, this is happening because people ultimately want to be liked at the end of the day. And so if I can figure out how to shift their perspective from this group versus that group 
to meeting the need where they do feel safe and they do feel like they fit in because they feel valued and appreciated, I might be able to make a bigger impact with that in mind. And so I think from from a headspace perspective, that that's the last thing for me as a leader is just to to look at assuming good intent, but also like asking myself, why is this happening and scientifically like the science goes behind clicks and how they happen has to do with the fact that people don't feel safe or they're trying to fit in and I think remembering that uh when dealing with any mean girl drama is has been really helpful for me well let's take a break and then we'll come back and my first action step is to dig into why this is happening okay sounds good sounds great let's do that Hey, it's Stephanie, and I'm jumping in here for one quick second because we have a workshop coming up next week that you are not going to want to miss. Uh, Our friend and colleague, Maria Parita, CVPM, is going to be leading a workshop that is open to the public and to our members on February 15th, 2023. It is at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, and it is called Texting It to the Next level. That's right. Maria is going to be tackling, talking about some of the do's and don'ts when it comes to texting with our clients and really how to take what we all kind of jumped in and started doing full tilt during the pandemic and use it to level up and build a stronger bond with our clients without lengthy phone calls and hopefully save you and your team some headache and some time and some stress and recoup uh, that time back into your day. So if this sounds like something you'd be in on, head on over to unchartedvet.com forward slash events. Check it out. If you're a member, you always get in for free. If you're not a member, you can join. It is $99 for this workshop or check out an Uncharted membership because you get all of the workshops that we do in the course of the year at no additional charge with the cost of your membership. So check it out, unchartedvet.com forward slash events. Now back to the podcast. All right. So, so, so transitioning from action steps, and I, I think we did, hopefully we did a pretty good job of, of getting a, a, getting into a, um, a safe head sort of headspace where, you know, we can, we can, we can feel comfortable as we try to see what's possible in, in, in moving forward here, right? Lower sure. the stakes, understand that we got options. We're going to, we're going to give this a try and then see how it goes. And, and, and we'll, we'll have to make the call after a little while and see what sort of traction we can get. The, the first action step for me is, is root cause analysis. What what are we what is going on here? And it's easy to say uh, people are um, they're setting traps for each other. They're forming cliques. They're uh, you know trying they they're trying to catch each other. They're right. they're not engaging in getting work done and instead trying to get other people to do it. I'm like mm, these all sound like symptoms to me. Symptoms of a, a problem. And so the first thing that, that I would I would counsel this doctor on is root cause analysis. Why is this happening? Is it because uh, people are unhappy here? Is it because there's a lack of information uh, being shared between management and staff? Is there some weird positive reinforcement loop that's happening? When I get Stephanie Goss in trouble, do I get patted on the head? Right. Does does she get punished in a way that benefits me? Right. I've seen weird stuff like that in practices where... Um, I've seen, I have, I'll tell you one that I've seen in practice that it was, um, if you tattled on other people, then you got to go and sit in the manager's office and talk about the problem at length and, and have these conversations and feel important because you're in the manager's office 
talking about practice business and also be off of your feet sitting in a comfortable chair and also off of the floor not having to go into rooms because you're talking to the manager. And oftentimes what would happen is these were just gossip sessions. Right. But basically people had figured out if I can report some drama, then I get to be a part of gossip. Right. Yeah, I get I get to have yeah, exactly. I get to have a half an hour break talking about drama stuff yes. and not actually doing the job yes. per se. And and there's chocolate in the manager's office. So I'm right. eating chocolate, <laughs> talking about Stephanie Goss, not doing what she's supposed to do, feeling good about myself. Right. You know what I mean? Um and other people are actually doing the flea and TikTok <laughs> in and out of the exam room. You know what I mean? And yes. I saw that and I was like, this, and it just happened yes. again. And it, every day somebody was camped out in the office talking about some drama. Yes. It was, and management was taking notes. And it was a very intense session. At the end of the day, I'm like, what you do today? And they're like, nothing. Right. I'm, I'm investigating this drama. But but did we did we audit the inventory? No. Did you know, did we did we call clients back? No. You know, uh, just it was it was anyway, yeah. It was silly. But but I but I saw that. And so anyway, is there something like that going on? Is there some weird positive reinforcement mechanism that I don't, I don't know about? Is there a single toxic person? Is this coming from one bully person or one drama person? Right. Is this radiating from a single individual? Yep. And again, maybe not. But a lot of times there's somebody who I, I don't know what their thing is. Are we doing all this stuff because somebody needs to be in control because they right. need to feel powerful yeah. because they need to bend others to their will that they feel insecure and they feel better by calling out other people not doing their jobs? Because if this is a one person problem, that's a much easier problem than this is systemic the across the entire organization. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I I think that's all all makes perfect sense. The other thing that I have uh, experienced is where, like you were saying about the rewards. And I think another really common reward is when there is friction uh, because Mm -hmm. we are a conflict averse group as a whole in veterinary medicine. Um, (laughs) There can be the unintentional reward of, well, I'm just going to shift around who works with who so that I don't have to deal with it as the leader. I've seen this employed over and over again. And so people are rewarded by getting to be in surgery for the whole day and do surgery instead of having to be with the rest of the group. And it's less drama for everybody else. And so they're getting negative, the negative uh, is being reinforced. And so I think that, I think that that I've seen it manifest in multiple ways. Your your manager's office um, example is another great one. But I think that there's a lot of that. And especially here, it sounds like there is conflict-averse management. And so I think the root cause analysis is super, super important because I think you're you're going down the right path for sure in terms of these are symptoms of, yeah. you know, an underlying cause. And you have to kind of figure out what is that actual underlying cause. Yeah. The, the, the questions I ask myself again and again are, why is this happening? Right. Why is this happening? Who's benefiting from this happening? You know, and I'm looking for those things because I'm trying to figure out right. where is this coming from? Yep. Um, why is it happening? Who's benefit? Uh, who's benefiting uh, from it happening? Are there are there consistent players that that seem to be involved again and again and again? And and, you know, if I can figure out the answers to those questions, often I have a much clearer way to approach this. It's rarely everyone is misbehaving 
when independently they've all decided to tattle on each other <laughs> or dodge tasks. Yes. Like, this is coming from somewhere, and there's some strange reward mechanism. And and sometimes it's there's a bully, and the bully is nice to people that join his clique. Right. And so people join them to get there, and they're the bully's dishing out positive reinforcement right. or withholding negative reinforcement if you go along. And again, when you see this for the first time, you go, I don't understand why everyone's acting this way. You have to dig a little bit and watch for a little while and ask some questions before you before you get this this pinned down. But that that root cause analysis, I, I think, is is really key as as far as clicks go, especially when you're not the boss. Be friendly without joining up. So, all you know, I can smile. I can be friends. I can be nice, but I'm not playing this game. Sure. You know. Yep. And just and just just decide I'm not I'm not I'm not doing this. There's so many people that I see who are good people, but they desperately want to be liked and they will say, "Ooh, this is toxic." And then when the opportunity presents itself, they will fall right into the game. It's like, "This is toxic, but I like being on the good guy side and I like having friends and I like to have things to talk about and everybody wants to talk about this drama." Right. And so I want to be involved. And so I'm going to talk about what is topical and what is topical is drama, you know, and gossip. And so just be careful about you. Be nice people. Don't just don't play the game. And this is subtle. And this is leading from the middle. And I think the other piece of it, too, is that, um, again, it goes back to being a conflict averse group. But I've seen repeated time and time again where um, people aren't necessarily joining in because they know that it's wrong and they don't want to be doing the thing and they're sitting there and letting it happen. And so I think for me, in terms of the action steps, like after the root cause analysis, the first part, if if you tr like if this is truly making you want to pull your hair out, you've got to shut it down. And that means not only being not being a participant in it, but when it is happening, getting being brave and being the person to say, hey, I wouldn't want to know that you guys were talking about me like that can you please stop having this conversation? If you have a problem with Andy, you need to go have a conversation with him, right? It's shutting it down and not only not engaging in it, but not allowing it to continue. And I don't see that happen anywhere near as often. The default for people is like, I'm not gonna join in, but I'm not gonna say anything about it either. Yeah. I'm gonna continue to sit here and let you guys be, you know, gossiping behind me. Yeah, that's, to me, that's the first step towards leadership, right? Whether you're a positional leader or not. Yes. I think the bare minimum that I expect from an employee who's not the boss yes. is to not participate. You know what I mean? I, I can be okay. I will understand if my young, uh, that assistant does not stand up to the technician who's 22 years older than her and say, and, and shut a behavior down. I, I, I do understand. And I would not hold it against them for not standing up and saying something in that weird power dynamic. Because I just I think that's a lot to ask of a of a an inexperienced person or a young person or someone who's, you know, just trying to fit in. However, if that person is a leader and I will tell you my opinion of that person soars through the roof when they say, you know, I think if you have a problem with Stephanie, you should you should talk to her about it. Yeah. And then they just, and then they walk away. I'm like, oh, 
that's leadership potential there, buddy. That takes, it takes some guts. It does, <laughs> it does. take some guts. It does. And, and again, let, let's be honest, like, it's what you should say. But as, as a human being, it's scary to yeah. say that, especially when, when you don't know what to say or that behavior is not being modeled. God, there's great pressure to go along with other people. Well, sure, because I, we we all want, it's the same reason the cliques form, right? We all want to be liked. Yep. We all want to fit in. And there, even if you're not a part of the clique, like that, th- for most people, that is not an exception. You know, like you want to be liked. Yeah. You don't want people to not like you. And so putting yourself out there and going against, uh, the, going against the crowd is, is a hard, a hard thing to do. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's amazing. So I would say to that, think about, think about what you're going to say before you say it. I really think that just giving a little bit of thought to what your statement is going to be when this behavior happens, because it's going to happen again. You know it's going to happen. I, I always say, I think people over, I think people say too much. I think that, you know what I mean? They'll say, well, listen, I would not want to be talked about in this way. So I don't know. It's like, just say, I think if you have a problem with Stephanie Goss, you should go talk to Stephanie Goss about it and 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 then be done. Yeah, and I think that's all you have to say. And don't make it a big deal and don't make it sound like a big judgy thing. But just say, just say it and then and then and then be done. And they can do with that what they will. But that takes real, real, uh, real. It takes it takes some courage if you haven't done it before. But that that is kind of what I would expect from the leadership level of the doctors. The other happy medium, because I, uh, for me, I hear what you're saying about not expecting it from the team. And I want a culture where every member of my team, including the kennel kid, could look at me or my 22-year senior tech, doesn't matter, and feel like they have the tools and the confidence. And I, you know, like that we have created a culture where that is acceptable and expected that they would call each other out on it. And recognizing that getting there is is hard and is a journey. And that is a tool. Those are skill sets that you have to actually learn. And so for me, one of the like middle of the road, like easy starting places for my team when we started on that kind of communication journey was just calling it what it is. So if there's gossiping happening, being like, hey, you guys are driving me crazy standing here gossiping. Can you take it somewhere else? Right. Then I'm not telling them to stop because that is the action that is really hard for a lot of people. Like I'm putting on my bossy pants and I'm telling you that you're gossiping and I want you to stop. Right. For some people, the easier path is the path of least resistance. So sometimes it's just calling it out. Hey, you're being you're being really mean and I don't want to hear that. Can you go somewhere else? Right. Do you think (laughs) do you think the way that you would handle this changes depending on what kind of support you're getting from leadership in the practice? Yes. And that's, I think so. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's what I'm, that's what I'm saying is like recognizing that not everybody is going to either feel empowered enough to say, Hey, it sounds like you have a problem with Andy. Why don't you talk to him? Right. Not everybody's going to feel empowered to do that. And, or they don't feel like they have that tool set. Um, And so I think that the empowerment level matters greatly. And so if you are a person who is less empowered on a, um, structural level within your practice or feels less empowered on a personal level because you feel like that's just I don't I couldn't have the balls to say it that that way yeah find the way that feels good to you and to your Mm -hmm. point is short and sweet but calls it what it is right like hey you guys are gossiping and drive me crazy go somewhere else yeah and and just say it and be done and say it with a smile on your face and and just say it 
But no, so we have a, a, a workshop in Uncharted that Dr. Saya Clement did, and she talked about shutting down gossip in her practice, and it was very much from the top down, and she empowered her people and right. said, if you see this, I w- this is what I want you to say, and she told everyone that, and yeah. that really empowered them to say, this sounds like gossip. I'm, yes. I'm not going to participate in this. Yes. But it came because she said that from the top, and then she continued to... to to use that messaging again and again and again. Um, I think, I think, again, that's a note to, to practice leadership of you can make these things happen by normalizing this and, and giving people the power and the words to say. Totally. We're speaking to the doctor here who's not getting that support from above. And I think you have to read the room and say, how loud do I want to beat this drum? Yeah. Um, how loud do I want to beat this drum? Because at the end of the day, too, and this is these are hard realities, I have to work with these people. Yes. And burning this relationship bridge or turning a click against me, that's a pain I'm not willing to carry. Like, I don't own this place. I'm not a leader in this place. I want to make this culture better. At the same time, I've got to look out for my ability to do work and enjoy being here, which means I'm probably not going to crusade against the technicians that I rely on to get my work done. Yeah. I need to figure out how to influence them while still keeping that relationship stable and strong. And you need to kind of look at where you are and make that call. Yeah. And I think if that is you, I think one of the next steps that I would have regardless, but especially if you feel like you're in that position, for me, the next um, action step is being transparent about how I feel about it and how it makes me feel. And so because really, even if our coworkers drive us crazy, we do all want to be liked. And if I, if I heard from somebody else on my team, hey, when you do this thing, it makes me feel sad, or it makes me feel, um, you know, hurt, or it makes me feel bad on behalf of this other person. Like there is something eye opening about viewing our behavior through someone else's lens. And so for me, then besides like, if you feel it, especially if you feel like you can't shut it down, and or if you're in a position where it's not being supported from the top down, being able to just be transparent and say, hey, like I I care about all of you and I, I like you and I like Sarah. And when you stand here and you talk about her, it really makes me feel uncomfortable. That's a great way. You know, and just being being transparent about how it's making you feel because it does. It is very hard to see ourselves through the through to see our behaviors through someone else's lens and in my personal experience it's wildly impactful because even if i knew full well that i was being uh you know a royal biatch and <laughs> and i was acting naughty like if you told me that i would 100% feel called out and be like ooh maybe i need to tone well, that down a little bit but called out but called out in a good way i think right. this is really important too i think one of the mistakes that people make in giving feedback is making people feel morally judged. Right. And I that does not go well. When when I say to you gossiping is for the weak-minded. Right. You know that, that's, yes. that's, yeah. I wouldn't say that yeah. but but the moral judgment. this is gossiping and I don't participate in activities like that. Yeah. That makes it sound like I think most of us would hear that as I'm better than you and you're doing something that I think is gross. Yeah. And that is going to make a lot of people feel judged and defensive. And you could be 100% right, 
But I think we, I, I think we always want to be careful about making people feel judged. Like that's not a behavior that I would take part in. Yeah. Um, as opposed to when you say that, it hurts my soul because I like Stephanie Goss, and um, and she's my friend. Yeah. And that's it. You know, like that's, it, it that's, gives you that's it, it gives you feels like even if yeah. you, like I said, even if you are the draw, because there are people who live for drama. Like, I don't know how because I'm like not one of those people, but there are people out there who just thrive yeah. on drama. And but even those people, like when they hear that, it's like, oh. You know, even if it's just for a split second. And so I think that's the next the next step for me is just being transparent about how I feel, how I'm fact how I am impacted by it, how I am affected by it. You know, I you guys. Yeah. Like I, I leave here at the end of the day and I'm just super stressed out because it just seems like we're picking at each other all day. And I want us to have fun at work. Like, what can we yeah. do to have more fun? Right. Like that is leading from the middle and addressing it without being like, we're going to call a team meeting because everybody is acting like a-holes and we need to change it, right? Like sometimes that is the thing that needs to happen. <laughs> but yeah. but if you're not in that position where you can do that, being able to lead from the middle and just say, hey, look, this is how it impacts me. This is how it makes me feel is very, very powerful thing. I, I agree. The, the part for me that kind of ties into this as well is, and this is, I preach this to, to associate doctors especially, but I probably should just preach to the whole team. Having a healthy anchor in your life outside of the vet practice is just good. It's just good life strategy. You know, where drama really sweeps people up and breaks them is when your whole life is the vet clinic and all yeah. your friends are in the vet clinic and, and your self-identity is in the vet clinic. Yeah. And then people come along and they talk trash about you and you're like, this is my whole identity. And it's being spread to all of the people that I know and yep. spend time with. And like, you just get swept up into this. And I go, look, you care way too much about this. And it's one of those things that one of the best things about to, to diffuse drama is not to care all that much. Yeah. And and yeah, it, it's a balance to walk. But honestly, I think for most associate vets, check yourself and make sure that your self-identity isn't so tied up in your life at the clinic that it that you don't have a good solid anchor outside of the clinic. I am a father and a husband and I like to do CrossFit stuff. And there's a community that I that I do. Stop laughing at me, Goss. <laughs> I was wondering and when CrossFit was going to come up. It's been a hot I, minute since we I, talked well, about I CrossFit. To, I had to look at all of my secret nerd <laughs> hobbies and decide which one I was going to put out. Then I was but like, I'm going to go with the most macho of my nerd hobbies. And then you literally <laughs> straight up laughed. 100%. Keep going. So anyway, <laughs> I am a father and a husband. A crossfitter and a quilter and whatever else I might be. Um, and working in the practice is a thing that I do. Right. And I like the people that I work with and they're nice people and I care about them, but they are not my family and they are, the, you know, they're not my only friends. And, you know, and my my identity is more than just who I am to this specific group of people, which protects me and insulates me if and when drama comes up because it's not de life defining for me. And I can yeah. look at it with a healthy eye and a healthy perspective 
and, and navigate it much more clearly. And so I always put that forward of, you know, if you don't have a life outside of the practice, you are going to be much more at risk for getting swept up in drama and clicks and gossip and things in the practice. Sure. I found it's so much easier just to rise above that stuff if you got other things going on in your life. And so anyway, that's just general life advice on practice. Yeah. And so it sounds like this doctor is doing, um, they're they're modeling the behavior that they want, yeah. right? So they're doing check, check box number one. Maybe yeah, sure. they're doing number two, which is when they are trying to involve you in it, don't engage them, right? Or yep. whether you're sure. intentionally disengaging them and saying, you're driving me crazy doing this thing, can I need you to stop? Or whether you're just unintentionally engaging them and are, are ignoring it, but not engaging them when when they act that way. And then I think the the other thing that they already brought up, but like continuing to expand on it is rewarding that good behavior and, and doing it in the sense that like when they do do things that you like, rewarding that, right? You always talk about how we're simple animals. And so praising the behavior when it is positive, when they do work together, which again, it sounds like this doctor is doing, but making sure to remember that we've got to keep it, uh, make it specific, make it personal to them. So say thank you when they do it and tell them why it means to a lot to you. Um, and then making it fun. And that's where like I would lean into asking them, hey guys, it seems like we've been doing a lot of like picking at each other. There's been a lot of like even saying there's been a lot. It seems like to me, there's been a lot mm -hmm. of drama. There's been a lot of people like mad at each other and like, you know, just not wanting to work together. I don't I want to make work a fun place. Like, what can we do to change this and asking them to actively get involved in changing it? Because ultimately, I think where we started this episode is that this may be something that you can't change. But for me to be able to sleep well at the end of the night, I would want to know that I did everything that I possibly could. And so asking and trying to get them engaged. And if you can't, then to me, the answer is like, well, this may be a situation I can't solve. And I would feel okay yeah. going somewhere else if that was the case. There's there's two tools to put in the toolbox for this vet that I would say. We've talked all around getting your head straight and kind of how you sign up or don't sign up and, and getting your priorities in line. All that sort of things. The two big ones for me with working with my team, and this is actually just getting through the day, um, positive reinforcement and giving people reputations. Yeah. And those are two big ones that I use, which is, uh, so positive reinforcement is when you see someone behaving in the way that you want to see more of, stop what you're doing, look at them directly in their eyes and say, hey, I want you to know that I saw that you did not join up in this conversation and thank you. I really appreciate it. And I want you to know that that m makes me think very highly of you. Yep. I love and that. So thank you for not perpetuating drama. And like uh, oftentimes that's the fuel that people need to keep going. The truth is participating in the drama, it often gets positively reinforced. Right. Not participating in the drama, it doesn't get positively right. reinforced. And yep. so just start positively reinforcing people, yeah. jumping in and doing things. And what that means is if everyone stands around and doesn't do a thing so they can catch somebody else, when someone does do the thing, stop them and say, hey, I saw you do that. And I just want to say thank you for jumping in and doing that. And I wanted you to know that I saw it and I appreciate it because yeah. I know other people could have done it and they didn't. And so thank you. I love it. And that's just just call out. The other thing is give people a reputation and they'll live up to it. 
So if you have a, someone that you work with who does not participate in those things, you should say, hey, you know, the number one thing that I enjoy about working with you is that you are no drama. I, I like you don't you don't gossip about other people. You're nice and kind and you get things done and you don't talk bad about other people. Right. And I just want to tell you how much I appreciate that. And it's just something I admire about you or it's something that I am. It just makes me so happy to get to work with you. Right. And that's it. And once you tell someone that the chances of them turning around the next day and starting to gossip are fairly low. Sure. Right? If I give you a reputation and say, Stephanie Goss, this is what you're good at and this is why I love working with you, that tends to hit people pretty hard and they tend to remember, oh, this is what Andy thinks of me. And then they behave in that way, at least when I'm around, mm -hmm. you know, um, and that's it. So those are your two, those are your two tools. Give people a reputation. Say to them, I really love working with you because you don't participate in these behaviors. I love working with you because you're the first one to jump in and do what needs to be done, not waiting to see who else is going to do it. And I, I just, that means a lot to me. And I, I love that you do that. That's giving a reputation and then catching them, doing not the thing that's making you uh, crazy and positively reinforcing it. Just call it out. Say specifically, you did this and I think it's awesome. And I want you to tell, I just want to tell you what it meant to me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's it. Those are your two tools. And and I would do that and I would go after it and I'd give it some time. And if you feel like you can get a little orbit around yourself that works, even if drama continues in the hospital, if you end up with three or four text assistants that you've given reputations to, that you've positively reinforced their, beha their behavior, you might be able to get a little drama free zone around yourself. Right. And the people that you work with on the regular and that might make everything just good enough to keep going and, and to, uh, you know, to enjoy your job and to be there, uh, even if drama kind of swirls through the larger practice as a whole. Yeah. It's, it's worth a try. I love it. Cool. That's all I got. This was a fun one. Drama, drama, drama. No matter what, don't just stop your shopping cart and wait <laughs> for them to go. Like, figure out how to get your shopping cart and go around the other person the and continue on towards the career that you want to have. I love it. Take care, everybody. <laughs> See you guys. Well, gang, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. And as always, this was so fun to dive into the mailbag and answer this question. And I would really love to see more things like this come through the mailbag. If there is something that you would love to have us talk about on the podcast or a question that you are hoping that we might be able to help with, feel free to reach out and send us a message. You can always find the mailbag at the website. The address is unchartedvet.com forward slash mailbag, or you can email us at podcast at unchartedvet.com. Take care, everybody, and have a great week. We'll see you again next time.